Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. We're coming down the home stretch. It's noon for Friday, April 23rd, 2021. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator or join the discussion thread at t.me slash I'm reasonable. And go check out the Frank Speech app. It'll be there. It'll be strong eventually. And I'll be at Chris Paul on there and at I'm your moderator on Gab every now and then. The merch site is www.cancelcotour.com. So go check that out. Today is the 93rd full day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half-dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist dummy, fake proxy president, Joe Biden, who is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party. The patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history and the father of one of the most despicable sons to ever walk the earth, Hunter Biden. So congratulations, Biden voters. You came out, you showed us all how bad you think Trump is, and now you've disappeared from the conversation once again. Because, of course, you can't actually stick around and accept the moral responsibility for what you have done. But that's all right. We're going to forgive you as soon as you admit it. And a warm, friendly Friday, high noon welcome to all of the redeemable communists out there. Hey, redeemable commies, most of the people listening to this and 
100% of the people making this podcast were brainwashed like you at one point, okay? I want to make that clear. I tr- I think I make these things clear, but then I speak to friends of mine who I really do love and respect, and they give me feedback, and I trust their feedback, so I want to take their feedback into account. I want to make it 100% clear that I make fun of communists all the time because what they have done by voting for Joe Biden is as bad as it gets. And they got to the place where they would vote for Joe Biden by doing some very specific things, none of which indicate strong character or high intelligence. Now I understand that people think that's rude. And they said to me, hey, I want to introduce your show to Redeemable Communists, but... The truth is they're just going to turn it on and then be called stupid. And I said, yes, I understand. They are stupid. And they were like, yeah, but you can't say that to them. And I was like, no, sure I can. I really can. And I understand that people are going to get upset and some of them might turn this off. But again, I'm not catering to those people. My show's not going to change and my attitude's not going to change based on whether or not I'm able to attract these sorts of people. These sorts of people will find me when they're ready. And maybe I'm not the one to bridge that gap, okay? Because I was surrounded by these people. In my normal life, my personal life, my community, my broader community in Hollywood. And when you are the first and almost only person to stand up against what they are doing in a social environment like that, you get to see exactly who these people are, okay? And I understand that when they are in a group of people who only believe as they do, or in a group of people who just don't really want to talk about politics with these communists, they seem to be, you know, reasonably functional in polite society. Try being the one who goes against them. You will see exactly what they really are, okay? The gloves come off, the manners go away. There is no morality. And the more effective you are as a communicator, the more they will attack you and try to destroy you and try to demean your character, your intelligence, your sanity. Whatever attacks they can unleash, I was receiving. So I don't have the inclination to approach these people in a more sympathetic manner. Okay? The fact that I am calling them redeemable communists in the first place while knowing that they literally just installed a brain-dead Nazi dictator, and that's not hyperbolic. I know everybody out there thinks it is. Oh, you can't call Joe Biden Nazi. That's crazy. What has Joe Biden ever done that's Nazi-like? Well, 
<laughs> I can bring up his encyclopedia of racist statements. I could bring up the 94 crime bill, which is now exactly what people refer to as systematic institutional racism. I can bring up the fact that his administration is now in partnership with private companies going against the Nuremberg Code. I could bring up how he is completely compromised, as is his son, by the Chinese Communist Party who has two million Muslim Uyghurs in concentration camps. And Joe Biden thinks that we should do business with them. And Joe Biden's administration, his cabinet, and the people working in the executive branch of government are also compromised and enthralled to the Chinese Communist Party. He believes we should do business with what is essentially a new iteration of the Nazi regime. So the fact that I am saying they are redeemable communists already takes into account the fact that I know this was not what they were intending. Okay? I know that in their minds, they didn't think I'm going to go vote for the Nazis. But it doesn't change the fact that they did go vote for the Nazi. And all of these people who voted for Joe Biden had the opportunity to consider the other option. Now, I know that the media has made everybody very mad and very sad about Donald Trump and Donald Trump's a racist and blah, 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 blah. Except Donald Trump isn't a racist. And any look into his history would show you that. The substance of these claims about Donald Trump being a racist are also easily disprovable on their own. The fine people on both sides thing. You can watch the video and understand that the way that's being portrayed is exactly the opposite of what he said. The Central Park Five thing. Ask one person who brings that up to actually explain what happened. They won't know. But you could go watch the testimony of those kids and you could know exactly what happened. It wasn't a bunch of kids who were wrongly accused. My point is, the media told a story about who you should hate. I believed that story in 2016. I understand how compelling that story was in how it was presented, especially if you haven't gotten to the point where you understand that the mainstream media is, in fact, a state media operation, a propaganda operation. OK, we didn't all grow up being raised to understand that we grew up being raised to understand the opposite. We would look to the high-end kind of glossy presentation, the people who are well-dressed and well-spoken. They all come from Ivy League colleges. And we're told that's the sort of thing that we're supposed to respect. And by respecting those things, we then participate in them. And by participating in them the right way, that's how we advance in society. And so what develops 
is a nation full of people whose primary motivation is conformity and being counterculture or a nonconformist becomes a brand that people try to express. They want to exhibit the behaviors of a nonconformist. So they will attach themselves to certain ideas like that communism, for instance, is actually this interesting avant-garde idea that no one's ever properly tried. And if they speak in favor of it, they can show everyone how much they care about the common man, about everyone else. And we are conditioned to believe that Fox and CNN and MSNBC are somehow different in important ways. Fox is the conservative side. MSNBC is the liberal side. CNN is the middle. That's how it always seemed. That's how it was told to us. Oh, we can trust CNN. They're in the middle. Oh, we can trust Fox. If we're a conservative, we'll have the story told to us in a slightly conservative way. And MSNBC, they're going to have the story told to them in a slightly more communist way. But it's all the same story. And it turns out that the entire story underneath it was a lie. Okay? There is a difference, obviously, in how long it has taken people to realize that. It took me until the days and weeks after the 2016 election when Donald Trump won. I didn't understand how that happened. It didn't make sense. All of the very smart people that I paid attention to had told me that the exact opposite thing would happen. And so I was like, well, I don't understand this. How could so many people vote for this rude, loud, poorly spoken, lying orange man? I didn't get it. So I started reading mainstream conservative publications like now you would think of them just simply as like rhino news outlets like National Review. An outlet that I really, really enjoyed and I really got a lot out of, but now I just simply don't trust or respect them at all. But I took it upon myself to figure out what I was getting wrong about all of this. And the thing that really pushed me to start doing that was seeing how the Hollywood community had treated Bernie Sanders. And I realized, wait a second, these are actually people who are going to sleepwalk their way into socialism or communism because they think that, like, Bernie Sanders is a cute old man. And that's really where we were at. I don't think that I'm misstating what the tenor was there. But a lot of people, and essentially everyone in my peer group who ended up voting for Joe Biden... They didn't do that. They didn't go on a mission of reflection or self-education. They simply got more and more and more and more angry. They dug deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into the central narrative to the point where they don't see their way out now, okay? And those are the people who I'm primarily addressing when I'm talking about communists. I don't believe that they are redeemable. OK, and I don't mean as people or whatever, they can make their peace with God or apologize to their friends and neighbors. All of that would be lovely. And maybe they will come back and be Americans with us again. But the ones who have dug themselves in really deep. Are not coming back. 
And the thing is, as they dug themselves more and more and more deeply into the central narrative and into the Trump derangement and the Trump hatred and then the hatred for Trump supporters and then the bullying and censorship of Trump supporters. That's not something that smart and good people do. Okay? We're talking about people who abandoned their own close friends and family members because they couldn't take a step back and control their egos and actually ask people, hey, why are you thinking this thing? Why are you doing this thing? What about Donald Trump is it you like? What about Donald Trump's policies do you find helpful? And so people who have made that choice for themselves, and by the way, this is a choice. It's a conscious choice. Everyone had the opportunity, okay? Like, yes, I have sympathy with the fact that everyone was brainwashed. Of course I have sympathy for that. I was there too. But we are past that point. We were told that a virus that can kill three out of 2,000 people, all of them being old, almost all of them being obese, and 94% of them having multiple comorbidities, two, three, four. We were told that that disease could threaten the entire world, and so we needed to shut down our society. And we needed to close people's businesses, and we needed to keep a generation of children out of schools. And that was just the beginning. Then we had these the exploitation of these killings at the hand of at the hands of police. And it was made into a racial issue. With no accounting of what actually happened in the situation. No facts. We weren't given those by the media. And so all these same people spent the entire summer last year justifying and rationalizing the burning down of cities, throwing frozen water bottles at police officers, taking little laser pens and shining those lasers in the officers' eyes to burn out their retinas. And Hollywood's entertainment class, people that I used to, unfortunately, be associated with, they justified that. They argued in favor of it. They said, yeah, you know, I don't really like that thing, but, you know, these people do have, uh, they do really have something to be upset about. I mean, hey, man, why are you breathing like that? Can you explain to me what happened in Breonna Taylor's apartment and why the police were there? Can you explain that? And if you can't, why are you telling me that it's okay that these communist domestic terrorists run around burning down cities and shining lasers in other humans' eyes because of that event. You are justifying the most heinous immorality many of us have ever witnessed in our lives. In a public manner, I mean. Of course, people have been, are immoral to one another. But these people, without thinking, 
justified and rationalize extreme violence and immorality. They say these things because they think these things are somehow shocking or brash or so morally righteous that you can actually say that some moral crime is okay because it's just the price of doing business and that the ends would justify their means and that whatever is necessary to achieve justice is worth it. These people could see for a fact that the election was fraudulent and they tried to censor people and lie about it. They ignored it completely. They said it was somebody else's problem. They said it was a conspiracy theory. While half the country was being systematically disenfranchised in a soft coup against the government, supported by foreign actors and a propaganda media. And they did not lift a finger. Instead, they doubled down again. They harassed and censored. And then January 6th happened. And now all Trump supporters are to blame. And the big lie is to blame. We are all the big lie. We tell the big lie that the election was a fraud. But the election was a fraud. And the recount starts today in Arizona. The forensic audit, the hand count. That's starting today in Maricopa County. And what do the Democrats do? They send 100 lawyers down there and they try to file for a temporary restraining order to get it shut down more. Is that the behavior of people who are innocent? Is that the behavior of people who don't know what the audit is going to find? Of course they know. Okay? They know. They cheated on purpose. It's not an accident. They're not worried about somehow like 13,000 votes were just wrong somehow and the election gets flipped over by one vote. That's not what they're worried about. They're not worried about the result. They're worried about the fact that the entire system of corruption is about to be exposed. And consider the personal cost. For people who have still stood up to this. Okay. There hasn't been any big payoff for people like me. It's quite the opposite. I essentially signed myself up. For widespread ritual abuse constantly. For at least a year of my life. And I did that because I think that that's how important the truth is. And that's how important it is to wake people up to that truth. And so when people have awoken, they can come find this show and they can hear my process and they can understand that from the beginning, I tried to do nothing other than tell the truth. Okay. How am I supposed to talk politely about people who accidentally supported the installation of a Nazi regime who tried to take over our country. 
What level of politeness am I expected to have toward those people? Now, what I can have is compassion toward those people when they make the effort to try to find out the truth and try to make amends and try to make up for the privileged laziness that they spent last year indulging. A lot of us have opened our minds and done the hard work necessary to unpack a lot of that brainwashing. And by the way, it's not when people say brainwashing, they're not just expressing a biased point of view toward the way you think communists. We are saying that there was a structured and systematic brainwashing of the American population by our own intelligence agencies in coordination with the media, in coordination with the universities. The universities have been captured by communism, okay? And if we are being taught communism, but thinking that we're becoming extremely educated people, what do you end up with? Well, the first thing you end up with is a lot of self-righteous communists who think that they're very smart. But the second thing you end up with is people who are completely uninformed and have no idea that they are uninformed. So when I say, when I talk about smart and dumb, okay, I want to know what dumb could mean more than people who don't know anything but think they know everything. Okay? I think that is a pretty telling aspect of dumb. I think that that is part of any reasonable definition of dumb. And smart, I've said this many times, but I'm sorry, I cannot say that you are a smart person and you can't argue me into believing that you're a smart person or that this person or that person or that person is a smart person. If that person is faced with critical decisions in their life and they consistently make the wrong one, for instance, or that they completely lack the ability to discern truth and fiction. I'm sorry if you can't do that, you're not smart. How many people do you know that believe they are completely fully informed who would still tell you today that Brian Sicknick was killed with a fire extinguisher by a Trump supporter? People still believe that. Now, I can continue just being gracious about the fact that they don't know anything and say, hey, you know, well, they're really hooked into this media channel and they get what they get and that's it, but they're really not a bad person. What do you mean? When the chips are down for these people, this is what this is something I have learned and I hope that you don't have to learn the lesson in your real life. I know a lot of people think maybe I'm going overboard about this because they don't see it in their real lives and that's fine, I understand that. No one has to agree with me, by the way. Again, I'm not trying to convince everyone that I'm right. I'm trying to convince people that they are not. 
that they need to open their minds. Okay. And whether that's through derision or simple argument or whatever, I'm going to take every single method toward that point that I can. And when you are expressing beliefs based mostly on social credit, I am going to do everything I can to strip you of that social credit. If you want a pat on the head and to be told you're smart because you think Medicare for all is a good idea, I'm going to call you dumb to your face, okay? Because you don't know the substance of the thing that you are expressing. You're expressing it for social credit. And so I'm going to do the opposite. Rather than give you social credit, I'm going to make sure that your social credit for expressing these poorly held and poorly conceived views is reduced. It's really simple. If you don't want to be called a dumb person, don't do dumb things, okay? It's not about your level of IQ, although it might be about that as well. I mean, people are literally injecting themselves with an experimental gene therapy that is killing people, and they think that's smart. They might be participating in their own extinction event, but they believe that's intelligent. That's what the good people do. So there's a limit to how much patience I can have with that mindset. And again, I wouldn't say redeemable communists. I mean, I've been saying that for at least six months, maybe longer. I wouldn't be saying that if I didn't think it was possible for people to wake up. What I want is for people who are awake to listen to this and to feel empowered by the fact that no matter how many times they have been shunned and bullied and ridiculed and mocked and called stupid and crazy and conspiratorial, no matter how many times that has happened, that is not you, that is them. That is the communists, okay? And every single communist who wakes up will realize that is who they were. Every insult that I throw at a communist, I am insulting my former self. And I understand that. And I feel like I have said that sort of thing over and over and over and over and over again. And I don't know what to say. If you posted a black square on Instagram last, what was it, early June, June 1st or something like that, thinking that you were helping to solve racism... That's dumb. That's some real child brain shit. Does that make any sense when I say it the way I just said it? You posted a black square on Instagram because all your friends did it too. And you thought that that was how you were saying you don't like racism. And you thought that anyone who didn't put it up was basically saying, oh, that person's racist. I do like racism. That's why I didn't put my black square up. This is a real conversation had by real people in the real world who went to real universities, including Ivy League universities. Many of these people had PhDs in front of their name. I'm sorry. That's very, very dumb. I don't know how most of these people have gotten to the point they're at in their lives. Most of these people, the Obamis and Romneys especially, 
are a couple generations down from the member of their family who actually went and did the hard work. And now their political beliefs are not a matter of reflection. They're a reflection of their class. Okay? They go to colleges because they already went to the private high school that funnels them in to the private college. And they're not expected to achieve there either. Some of them might, and that's fine. There's a lot of functional intelligence at play here that nonetheless does not affect their actual functional intelligence in the world. Are we meant to believe that all the finance people who caused the 2008 crash, they're all geniuses? No, they're probably average intelligence for their field. They just happen to also be evil and prefer to manipulate the system for their own benefit. Is that smart? I don't know how. And the problem is that our definition of smart, as we tend to use it in normal conversation, it's just how we refer to other people like us who say the same things we say. That's not what smart is at all. We're talking about people who don't form independent thoughts. Why do I have to call them smart? Because they have nice clothes. They have a nice car. They have a prestigious job. They went to a good college. They have a prominent last name. I don't understand. None of that accounts for intelligence. None of that. It makes you smart. And the thing is, like, this has nothing to do with name calling or even making fun of stuff. Like, I look back on myself, back to 2016, in the run-up to the election, when I voted for Hillary, and I think, oh my God, I was so dumb. Like, how could I even keep all those thoughts in my head together at the same time? It doesn't make sense. And that's what dumb is. Your thought process, the things you believe, none of them reflect reality. You are completely separated from the world of intelligent thought. And this isn't about Trump. It's not about political parties. It's about a manner of thinking. And if you don't have access to that manner of thinking, it doesn't matter what qualifications you have or degrees or credentials. You're dumb. Sorry, Kami. And so then the other part of this was about people not identifying as communists. In fact, they're quite the opposite. They don't believe that they're communists at all. So they just get completely lost by hearing that. And so I want to flesh that out a little bit more too. Because people think, oh, I like buying things. I like making money. I have this job. I want more money. How can I be a communist? But that's kind of the thing about these party affiliations. This takes on similar characteristics to people in their church communities as well. For instance, we know for a fact that the Catholic Church was covering up years and years and years and years and years of rampant child abuse by Catholic priests. Average Catholics going to church don't associate themselves 
with that at all, right? Because they're not the ones abusing children. But if someone were to tell them, hey, this particular priest actually has abused children, and then they give their support to that priest, you would then say they are complicit in the abuse, would you not? So the fact that you might be wealthy and you might want to collect nice cars or something doesn't make you any less of a communist. You just get to be on the winning team in the communist society. And global communism is a real thing that they are aiming at. Okay, this is the other part of it. it is not a secret. This is not something I'm making up. This is not conjecture on my part. This is the global world order. And the Chinese Communist Party, Xi Jinping, just the other day, talked about how there would be a new world order. That's why America is a threat to them. That's why they don't want America to be America, because you can't introduce a global world order or a global communist world order if America is standing in the way. America is too powerful a nation to not go along with the thing. And the program doesn't work if everybody doesn't go along with it. So they need enough of the powerful nations to be on board with the program so that other nations have no choice but to submit. Okay? And if you have voted to push America into that group of nations aimed at global communism, that will result unquestionably in the oppression of the rest of the world's people and essentially an end to human freedom for centuries, then it doesn't matter that you don't feel like a communist or look like a traditional idea of a communist. You just voted in favor of global communism. The fact that you didn't know that doesn't make it better. You can extol the virtues of capitalism day and night in conversation. But if you vote again and again and again and again to push us in a direction toward global communism, and then you consistently rationalize and justify every single step along that road, things like forced vaccinations, vaccine passports, the enforcement of cultural narratives in opposition to free speech. How many of the steps on the road do you yourself need to walk down and justify before we're allowed to call you a communist? And so I was thinking about a lot of this this morning and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to like find an article that has aspects of communism, like the traditional aspects of communism as it reflects in a society and talk about them and show you that there is a burgeoning brand of American communism right now. And it's exactly what Joe Biden supporters voted for. And it's exactly what they profess 
as their own desires for the world, of course, because they would never express their desires as benefiting themselves. Part of this whole thing is that you always express your political motivations in a way that makes it sound like you are doing everything for the benefit of others. And that allows you to constantly occupy this perceived position of moral goodness. And that's how this continues. All right. So let's examine some of the aspects of communism. State ownership. Okay. The state owns all capital in a communist system, including all land, machines, buildings, and infrastructure. Personal property is abolished or limited to personal items. For example, a communist society may move vast numbers of people out of their homes and into apartments in order to use the land for some purpose, such as a factory or infrastructure project. Now, initially, most Americans will be like, well, that doesn't sound like what America is at all. And on some level, a very basic level, you're right, of course. We do still have personal property. At the same time, we are also being advertised to with global communist propaganda telling us the World Economic Forum doing this, by the way. It's not some random like offshoot communist from some Latin American country that can never touch us. They're talking about how by 2030, you will own nothing and like it. And they show smiling, happy millennials with a piece of avocado toast and an iPhone. Like, that'll be what it's like. You'll, ha- you'll own nothing and you'll love it because we'll just give you money. We'll give you Netflix and Amazon so you can entertain yourself. What else do you need? You can take an Uber. We're going to have shared cars. We're going to have city bikes. You can ride wherever you like on, on the bikes. Now, if you live in the country, you're screwed because we are going to take your car away. (laughs) You think it's crazy. You think it's crazy right now. But this is really what they're talking about. They don't want personal property. They're actually advertising against this stuff. You can find think pieces in liberal rags about this all the time. So personal property is abolished. The state has property and the people have shared communal property. You need a new pair of pants, you go down to the pants place. If it's pants time, you get some new pants. You care about fashion? You care about expressing your uniqueness through fashion? Well, good luck. You're going to have to serve the state in whatever way is required for them to allow you to be in a position where you can do that. And this is why I say congratulations, communists. You voted for this. You didn't know what you wanted. And then when it comes, you're going to be mad at everybody else. And you might say, but the government's not pushing people out of their houses and into apartments. Oh, really? Well, that's interesting because what the government did do in Democrat communist states is they shut down the economies completely and they destroyed small businesses. So people in the middle class actually were forced to move out of their homes and sell their homes. People in the middle class in cities left because they were being charged exorbitant prices for an absolutely horrific lifestyle. 
And what do you think is going to happen to that property? Another family's going to come on in and move right in and keep the American dream alive? No. Desirable real estate will be used by the state how they see fit, whether that's having it bought by a foreign investor, often from China, or by turning that over and making it state land for whatever they want to use it for. We can see this stuff happening in real life just by opening our eyes. So right there, you have one example that feels not true at all, right? America's not communist. That's what it seems like. You go through one example, you're like, oh, okay, well, yep, I guess I guess we do have that in America. And we do. And you say, but the state doesn't own all the land and all the buildings and all the machines and all the infrastructure. No, they don't. You're right. Not yet. But you did just vote to empower them to do that. And that's why they're doing more of it. Moving on to central planning. In a capitalist system, firms freely decide what to produce and consumers freely decide what to buy in a process known as markets. In a communist system, this is completely replaced by a system of state planning where the state sets production targets for all goods and services. Now, this is something that we definitely do not have the full version of in America right now. I will grant you that immediately. Okay? It will be more difficult to get something like this brand of central planning in full effect in America because we have a history of vibrant markets and innovation. And that's not going to just be a switch that turns off. At the same time, we can still see a push toward that. And we can see more and more collusion between government and private industry to the point where you begin seeing that there is not actually a line there. We know now government officials can directly contact Twitter to have posts taken down. So how private an organization is Twitter? We know that Mark Zuckerberg was allowed to invest half a billion dollars paid directly in communities to influence the outcome of the 2020 election. We also know at the same time that he is able to monitor and censor almost all Americans and do so on behalf of the government. We can see Joe Biden reaching out to hundreds of CEOs in response to the Georgia voting law. We also saw 150 of these CEOs of massive American corporations writing an endorsement for Joe Biden before the election. Do you think that these are just disconnected? Of course not. And the encroachment of corporations into the government is more exemplary of fascism. And we also have a version of fascism here. But all collectivist ideologies start with the collectivism. And they start with the domination of the people and the idea that Somehow, the state, through technocracy or whatever else, will be able to determine the best answer. And then it becomes the state's responsibility to implement that. Because if you found out the best answer and you won't do it, 
Like, what are you, cruel? (laughs) People actually think that because they don't value freedom. Moving on. Bureaucratic elite. Central planning and state control of all property requires a large bureaucracy. As an ideology, communism claims to make everyone equal. In practice, a bureaucratic elite emerges and competition shifts from producing value and innovation to competing for positions within the government. Got it? This is 100% happening here. Joe Biden keeps inventing new agencies. We keep adding diversity departments to the federal agencies, to state agencies, to the military, to our universities, to our corporations. That is a bureaucracy. We empower John Kerry as a climate czar so that he can talk to China and other global communist countries and invent new climate policy, which, of course, will require more bureaucracy. We're talking about setting up COVID tracking systems and vaccine passports. Someone has to run that. We have these programs for homeless housing, like I was discussing yesterday. Someone's running that too. And what develops is just further and further state control down further into the local level. They just keep pushing state bureaucracy more and more toward the people so that the people don't have the decisions. The federal government does. The centralized federal government does. That's why our Constitution was set up the way it was set up. Our Constitution was basically set up to be anti-communist, to avoid the problems of centralized control, to avoid tyranny. But instead, people voted for Joe Biden and they pushed us exactly in that direction. We're talking about a an illegitimate regime in office. Trying to pack the court, trying to add states unconstitutionally, by the way, adding D.C. as a state would require a constitutional amendment and the House passed it through anyway. We have governors all around the country deciding by whim, apparently, what their citizens can and cannot do. Joe Biden just threatened to cancel the 4th of July if not enough people get vaccinated. Do you think anybody's going to listen to that? No, thank goodness, because we're Americans. But when Joe hands that decision down from on high, communists really will limit their 4th of Julys simply because they were told to. And I'm talking about people who are vaccinated. They'll just skip 4th of July. Who cares, right? They don't want to celebrate the country anyway, because, of course, our schools teach us to hate America. But what we end up left with is a class of people who are essentially just planning out how everyone else's lives should be. And because they now have that important role, they are treated as special. So the idea of equality vanishes. Now you are above the rabble because you have committed your life to working for the benefit of the state. 
And while the useful idiots in our entertainment industry and the LeBron Jameses of the world, LeBronies, by the way, going to use that. Thought of that yesterday. It's going to stick. Trust me. Athletes who are also communists, you can use it. You know, they're not bureaucrats, but they have also committed their lives to the benefit of the state and they're being paid handsomely for it. You know, over the last, I don't know, 10 or 12 years in Hollywood, and I'm sure it's been much longer, but that's like when they started talking about how to sell a movie, to sell a script, you need to have strong female characters, right? Because they wanted to institute ideas of feminism into the movies. I know, probably just an accident. But they moved on from that to needing people of color in prominent roles to now needing LGBT people of color in prominent roles. And it just keeps going and going and going, right? That state influence, that state communist influence into the arts. And people go along with it because they want to work in those industries. They find it glamorous and prestigious. So all of a sudden they begin producing propaganda on their own and they're happy to do it because the better the propaganda they produce, the more the state will allow them to be paid. And we can pretend that this is a supply and demand thing, but we know it isn't. No one went out and thought that the feminist Ghostbusters was a good movie. It didn't make a ton of money because people actually don't want that. And you can see the country right now rejecting woke corporate capitalism. People are not spending their money with these woke organizations because they understand what these companies are doing now. And so while the actors and athletes are not bureaucrats, they are still in some way part of the bureaucratic elite because they have committed their lives to serving the interest of the state. They are repeating the slogans for the state. They are propagandizing the American public. And it's pervasive. Like you can play the NBA 2K21 video game and see Black Lives Matter clothes on all the players. And so right there, we have an actual communist organization propagandizing video game players in the video game. And it's made to seem glamorous. This is what the athletes do. And so, no, they're not bureaucrats, but useful idiots are basically the same thing. And that is what we have now. The loudest voices in this country, the people who are imagined to be setting the cultural tone, are in fact useful idiots. Do you ever hear brilliant original thinking from LeBron James or Chrissy Teigen or Sophia Bush? Of course not, because they don't have original thoughts, but they do go out and repeat the slogans. They do lie about their personal lives and tell you how they're affected by these issues personally while they're cashing checks for their endorsements. And so... Like in Animal Farm, 
everyone's equal, but some people are more equal than others. And so then once you see this class of elites as being part of the communist system and the obvious inequalities there between them and the normal people, you begin to see what communism really is. It's a system that pushes advantage to people who comply the most with the state and everyone else is a serf. And people in the Democrat Communist Party pretend that this is a good and moral thing because, of course, the serfs can't make the decisions for themselves. They can't decide how they might want to live their life, what job they should do, how they want to get to work. Maybe they like to drive a big truck more than the city bike that a homeless man just hopped off of because you can't keep your cities clean. And if you think about what the upper class of American society looks like, you begin to see this exact type of elite in every industry and all over the place. And these are the woke businesses now and the woke business owners. Yes, they have their own business. They created the business all on their own and they can keep it. But to promote their business, they now promote the goals of the state. And that allows them to succeed more. If they don't want to comply with the state, for instance, they don't want masks in their business or they refuse to lock down. Well, then the state is going to come get them. If they do what the state says, well, then they can have the opportunity to join some level of the elite class. Look around and tell me that this is not the America you see. Moving on. The common good. The profit motive is replaced by a system whereby the state assigns people to schools and jobs and labor is required by the state. Each individual must sacrifice their own aspirations and freedoms for the common good, as this is viewed by the bureaucratic elite. Generally speaking, this is less motivating than freely working to improve things for yourself or your family. And we can see this happening as well as the government decides which industries can stick around. And it doesn't matter what excuse they use. They shut down industries on the basis of climate change. They shut down industries based on the coronavirus. And the CDC has now declared that racism is a public health crisis. So what do you think that bureaucracy will lead us to which businesses will they choose to shut down? You're going to tell me that's not coming. Any rational person knows that's exactly what's coming. The CDC calling racism a public health issue is going to lead to some of the most rampant oppression the world has ever seen. That basically gives them carte blanche to do whatever they want. We have already seen the results of similar paths. This is where we've been for a year now. And we already know that these communists are happy to justify these things. I know people in Los Angeles who other people consider smart. Okay. They have businesses. They run brands. Those people tried to justify to me 
that the lasers in the eye things. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess that's bad. I'm not saying I support that, but it was like just an isolated incident and probably only one cop. And, you know, those people are out there trying to fight for justice. (laughs) Right? Look at how easy it is to justify whatever you want. As long as you have a cause important enough to shift the responsibility onto. What do you think climate change is? You think we're all just going to die? By 2030, we're all going to die. No, by 2030, they want full-on communism. That's the plan. And how do they get there? Through stealing elections. There's no other way. America would never vote for that because there aren't that many communists. They've just simply become the bureaucratic elites in all of our different cultural centers and institutions, the places that hold power in America have been infiltrated and filled with communists. Exactly as I just described. So it really doesn't matter, does it? If it says in the law that you can't have a certain business, they are going to make it impossible for your business to succeed. So what's the difference? They don't want you working at a small business, a restaurant, for instance, but they're more than happy to have you work at McDonald's. That is until they replace everyone there with iPads. And then the truth is you're going to be back in your little apartment that they built for you watching Netflix with enough money to pay for your basic needs via universal basic income. Again, tell me what part of this you don't see happening in America and that isn't directly caused by the Democrat Communist Party. Competition. In a communist society, competition exists only within the system itself. For example, to become a professional dancer, you must win the approval of the system to do so. A communist society resembles a giant telecom company with everyone positioning for more powerful or interesting roles in a single sprawling organization that has become inefficient under its own weight. And I think the example of a professional dancer here is really interesting and relevant in regards to the conversation we were just having about actors and Lebronis. This is what they do in China, right? All the kids are trained to do something and they pluck out the best ones and those ones can carry on doing that thing while the rest of them are like, hey, you know what? You didn't dance well enough. You didn't play basketball well enough. You're not going to be playing basketball anymore. I'm sorry that that was the thing you really love to do, but, you know, we're going to go with this other guy instead. And you're thinking, well, that's fine. That's how they do it in China, but that's not how they do it here. But a note on that China thing, by the way, the NBA actually has an association with China in Xinjiang province where the Muslim Uyghurs are in concentration camps. And they have an NBA training facility there where they just basically breed Chinese people, hoping that certain ones might make it into the NBA so that, of course, we can make the game global so that we can build the Chinese audience. Yes, that's what we need. The problem is that these basketball players are basically owned by the state. And you think, fine, that doesn't happen here, right? Well, 
consider how schools are operating now, especially the high profile private schools. They have all sorts of woke standards, social justice standards, anti-racism standards. They teach communism in the classrooms and the parents are expected to behave in a certain way and not say certain things. Or else their kid will be deemed not right for that school. We have that happening in America right now. And so say, for instance, you want to be a professional dancer. And you want to go to the best school to become a professional dancer. But the only way you're allowed to do that. Is if you and your parents never, ever say a word against the state. Are we far off from that? I don't think that we are. And our culture is creeping closer and closer to that. And we're being more allowing of that sort of thing. And so another aspect is austerity. Communism is based on the idea of a class struggle, whereby the proletariat come to dominate. As such, conspicuous consumption is frowned upon even amongst the bureaucratic elite who must downplay their advantages or risk punishment. And this is another one of those aspects that like the central planning thing, this doesn't seem terribly relevant in America. And of course, that's because we have vibrant markets and we do have a consumption oriented society. People do like things. People like nice things. People like working to have nicer things. That is common in American culture. That is a separation from what we normally conceive of as communism. But part of this still remains. The conspicuous consumption part of it, that is frowned upon, which is why rich people who conspicuously consume things have to constantly message that that's not really what they're doing. Like, sure, LeBron's probably worth half a billion dollars or something. But he reimagines himself as a man of the people in terms of all his social justice language. And in that regard, the austerity has kind of been flipped on its head. We are shown this conspicuous consumption so that we believe that there's something to aspire to. And then we learn that the way to get there is by being exceptionally good at a certain thing and doing whatever the state says. Communist societies have historically been a single party system whereby political opposition is not permitted. This may be an inherent feature of a society where all power is vested in a single organization, a government without constraint or boundaries. What do we have in America? People believe we have a Democrat party and a Republican party. And ostensibly we do, but functionally we don't. And you just saw that in operation in the follow-up to the November election. Even Republicans who were running for office in the runoff election could not defy the uniparty and state the obvious that Donald Trump was robbed. They could have contested that election. Do you think that David Perdue and Kelly Leffler didn't know? Kelly Leffler had stated in some milquetoast fashion that she planned to object 
to the Electoral College votes on the 6th. Right in the run up, she was saying, I'll be there. I'll be objecting because I think we need more time on this. And then what happens? Antifa knocks out some windows of the Capitol. They stage a nonsense insurrection where the Capitol Police are simply letting people into the building and walking around with them. And then Kelly Leffler comes out and says, oh, well, after this, I can't contest this election. Republicans didn't even stand up for Donald Trump. So are they really Republicans? What is their commitment to? It's not certainly not conservative values, certainly not the Constitution of the United States of America. They're compromised. Or somehow they might be dyed in the wool communists and actually believe in all of this. But they're primarily compromised. They have taken payoffs from China or from other global communist donors. They have their little packs set up. Lindsey Graham's a big one on this. But I think at the end of the day, only two Republican senators, I think it was only Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz, who stood up and objected to the election fraud. The rest of the Republicans in the Senate didn't. Only 60 Republicans in the House did. This is one of the basic issues of our time. One of the most important issues, if not the actually, you know what? It just straight up is the most important issue in the history of America. If we can't have legitimate elections, then we don't have a country. Okay. And most of the so-called opposition party went right along with the communists in the commission of that crime, knowing that it happened. And with the uniparty in power, what then is the bulwark against tyranny? There isn't one. And the Democrat Communist Party is even going further. They are trying to reshape the system to keep them permanently in power. What they are trying to do is stave off this nationalist uprising that says, no, this is America and it's going to stay America. This is our birthright. And that brings us to the next step. As political opposition and economic freedoms aren't permitted, a communist system may repress these activities. Other freedoms may also be repressed, such as freedom of speech, right to privacy, freedom of movement, freedom of association, freedom of religion, and freedom from arbitrary detention. Historical communist systems were characterized by state control of every aspect of life, propaganda and quote-unquote correct thinking that was enforced by the coercive power of a state that owned and controlled all resources. Now, I don't even think I have to explain this. Every single person listening to this podcast probably thought, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, to all of these. Repression of freedom of speech, 100%. Privacy, yep, got the technology companies for that. They know every single thing we do. Freedom of movement, obviously. They locked us down for a disease that kills very few old people with comorbidities. Freedom of association? Nope, can't have that. Freedom of religion? No chance. They went after the churches first. I'm not even a churchgoer, and I think that that's just disgusting. Freedom from arbitrary detention? Ask the people who were at the Capitol on January 6th 
how that's going. And then the final aspect here is efficiency. Markets serve to decentralize trillions of economic decisions. That scale is so massive that it's really difficult to centralize all that in a coherent fashion because the government can't actually know all the decisions that people are going to make naturally on their own. Which, by the way, is also a reason why the epidemiological models are such failures. But historically, this problem, this efficiency problem, has led to stagnation, poor quality products, shortages, famines, environmental disasters. It's a necessary lack of information. It's impossible for a system to get all the information about what people want and need without letting them express what they want and need themselves. That's why markets are necessary for efficiency. And this is one of the biggest problems in Venezuela. They have shortages of everything now. They were one of the most oil-rich countries in the world. And now they're eating their pets. Why? Communism. So that's the list of these aspects here. And I know it's Friday. I didn't mean to make this this long. But this is what I'm talking about when I say that this is communism. And you can look down at each of these aspects and see how it intersects with America. And then you can see how exactly the Joe Biden regime is implementing all of this stuff. And you can think back to the campaign and realize how the Joe Biden regime tried to sell all this stuff. The Green New Deal is 100% a communist takeover of America. It puts all of these aspects like on steroids. And economically, it makes America completely unviable. And what would that mean? Well, that would mean that we would need help from the global community. And then what happens? So hopefully this podcast today goes some way toward helping people to understand where I am coming from when I talk about smart and dumb. When I talk about commies, this is it, okay? It's nice to pretend that we still live in the America we were told we lived in when we were children. But the fact is, we don't. And we just had the usurpation of the American presidency through a fraudulent election. We now have an illegitimate president pretending to be in office. And what that regime is doing is trying to install more of this and trying to lead us into a new global world order where we are not at the top. And of course, all of this will end as it always ends in famine, in death, in oppression, in starvation. This is how these things go. And so when we're talking about people who just used their vote to propel that forward. What else am I supposed to say? Now, while I've been recording, it looks as if an Arizona judge has stalled the forensic audit until Monday. I don't know exactly why, but this is a result of Democrats coming down and trying to file a temporary restraining order because they are desperate to not have the truth about the 2020 election come out.
It will, regardless. This is just another annoying little speed bump. But the end is already guaranteed. The truth has to come out. There is no way it can't. Nothing can stop what is coming. I'll be back on Monday at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Maston lockdowns don't work. And Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform is great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Please follow the podcast on Instagram and Parler at I'm Your Moderator. Soon I'll be up on Rumble with a video aspect. In the meantime, if you'd like to support the show, I have a substack, I'm Your Moderator.substack.com, where you can donate. Or you can donate at anchor.fm by searching Be Reasonable with your moderator, Chris Paul. I hope to see you soon. Back out on the rain. Acting as moderator for tonight's broadcast. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. 
It's hell!